0: Welcome to the Avadian Podcast. I'm your host and the Vice President of Marketing, Ashley Wilbanks. Today, we are delighted to have Rashida Leroy with us, who is the founder and CEO of LRY Media Group, located in Birmingham, Alabama. Rashida is going to share with us her perspective on being a business owner, specifically a female African-American business owner in the competitive public relations and event marketing industry. Good afternoon, Rashida. Good How afternoon. are you doing? Afternoon.
1: I'm so great. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well.
0: It's good to have you here Thank and we're you. we're so glad you're joining us today and that you're here to share your perspective on a couple of topics. So first off, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little more just about you and how you got started in PR and event planning.
1: Yeah, so a little more about me. I always say I have a story to tell and my stories always go like way back to childhood. So I grew up in Dothan, Alabama, um, graduated high school there and then made my way to the University of Alabama. There I got my degree in management information systems. Um, That was probably my third major. And at that point it was like, hey, you just got to get out of school. Right. So whatever the quickest route is. But I was doing computer programming, really felt like a fish out of water. And I think they could tell because then they laid me off. So after I got laid off, I took about two or three weeks to find a job. And then I realized, I said, I want to be an entrepreneur. This was in my blood. My mom had a newspaper in Dothan. My grandfather had a newspaper in Pensacola, Florida. So I had been around that my entire life, to be honest with you. And so then I decided I was going to start my own magazine. So that was really my first step into the world of Events and PR. I couldn't afford to like bring anybody on board to market and promote us. So then I became my own PR agency. And it was the same way with events. We would use events to promote issues that would come out or just the magazine as a whole. And so at the time, I really didn't see it as like event planning. I just saw it as, okay, I have this magazine and I really need to get it out. And how do I make people aware of it? So that was really my first step into this world of entrepreneurship and then the world of. PR and marketing. And several years after having the magazine, I then got an opportunity to do some work at Alabama Power. And so that's what I call real PR, right? Because I think what I was doing, I was like, oh, I think I was just playing around a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But when I got to Alabama Power and I started in the PR department, and it was just amazing to be around so many people who like, they were experts. This is what they went to school for. And they were really like, you know, in their craft. And so I literally saw it. I said, okay, this is no longer a job. This is like school for me. And I'm coming in and I'm being paid to really learn. So that was really my first step into the marketing, the PR and the event space. And it really went from there with LRY Media Group.
0: That's, that's great. Um, So it's important for everyone to know more about you and to understand kind of your drive and your passion. So, Tell us, what was that catalyst for you to go out on your own and to to start LRY Media Group?
1: Yeah, so, you know, coming from a family of entrepreneurs, again, I had been around, you know, business pretty much my entire life. And so even when I was working in corporate America, I would always say, I'm going to be the CEO of something, right? I didn't really know what it was, but I knew that there was this entrepreneur inside of me. And so I remember, you know, being at work one day thinking, well, this landscape has changed slightly. This might be the perfect time for me to start realizing, okay, what do I want to do the next five years or the next 10 years? And so it was just that spark inside of me. It was like, you know, you wanted to go back into business for yourself. You've come here. You've built some great skills, some great relationships. And so how do you now take that? out into this world and build your own business again. Because even with the magazine, we were in business for almost seven years. I would say maybe five of those years I was doing it solely. Um, And then maybe a job here or there because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you just never really know. Right. So Mm -hmm. so it just really hit me. It was like you've really gained these skills. You've built these great relationships. And so this might be an opportunity for you to strike out on your own. Um, And just with some great support, the leadership at the company, they said, hey, if this is something you really want to do, you know, we'll support you in your efforts. There were other companies that we were partnering with when I was in corporate America who then said, "Okay, if you're going to go out on your own, then we have some work for you as well. So that client base came very quickly and it just it felt like the right thing. And honestly, I tell people every day when I left, I had no clue what was going to happen. It was just like you're going to either sink. Or like, you going to swim. And then swimming became no choice. It was like sinking was no longer an option. And so what are you going to do every day to come in and make sure that this is a success? So it was just that spark inside of me that said, hey, if you're going to go, you better go. And that's <laughs> that's what
0: I did. Well, and for everyone out there listening to this, if you get an endorsement from Alabama Power or any other company, corporate company like that, um, that you're good to go to do this, there's no bigger compliment than that. So, I mean, you know, I definitely tip my cap to you on that one. Um, One thing I do want to bring up and and have you talk a little bit about, in case some of our listeners did not already know this, that your company was responsible and played a big role in the World Games that were just here in Birmingham. Um, and I know you were competing with some big-time players in that space. Um, so tell us a little bit more about, about your pitch and, and what you did to to get your company that position to be able to, to do that with the World Games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the World Games was an amazing experience, literally from the very first meeting we went to at the CrossPlex where – They said, hey, if you own a business, we want you to know about the opportunities that are available. To the day we submitted the bid, to the day we actually, we were notified that we had won the opportunity. Um, For us, it was a few things. We, one, wanted to tell the story of Birmingham. And so that was our overall creative. How do you take a city that has such history? Some of that history is great. Some of it not so great. But it is a city that honestly has you know, reflected the entire world. And so how do you take that and put this in a ceremony? And then how do you do it in a way where it's beautiful, right, where people can reflect on it and then people leave and say, I understand why this is such a great city and why it's moving in the direction that it's moving in. So that was the whole point around our creative was to really showcase Birmingham. Um, When we first got the opportunity to submit, we honestly thought, oh, well, we're just going to get like, you know, a few receptions. Or there may be, you know, some smaller events that, you know, they're going to look for us to plan. It didn't hit us at the time that we would be putting our names in the hat for the opening and the closing ceremonies. So when the opportunity came up, it was like, okay, we're going to really do this. So we did. (laughs) (laughs) We went through about four rounds of interviews and each round it was like, okay, you come in with your concept. And the first round you had to have your complete storyboard. You had to have your budget. You had to have your leadership tree together. It was like you literally had to go in and say, this is exactly what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. And then this is the team that's going to execute it. And by the way, I need you to give me a hundred million dollars to do it all. Um, So that was like first round. There's just some big numbers. Big numbers, big numbers. Um, So second, third, and fourth round was very similar, but each round they wanted to get even more granular into the concept and how will you really make this happen. And so after the fourth interview, we walked out and I said, guys, I think we're really going to get this, right? Because again, we're thinking, oh, we'll get a reception here and whatever would have been great, right? Because just the opportunity to say you're part of this historical event, international event here in our city So by the fourth interview, we walked out and we said, I think we got it. And it was December of 2019. It was like two days before Christmas because I was packed up, getting ready to go to Pensacola, which is where my mom lives. And I got invited to lunch with the CEO and um, Nick Sellers. And, you know, we're just eating. And he was like, you know why we're here, right? And I'm just like. Yeah. But tell me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I like formality. In right. these situations. Like, I don't want to make assumptions. <laughs> you know, you may be trying to let me down easy. I don't know. So anyway, he was like, you got the bid. And I was just like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was really exciting, again, to have that opportunity. But our whole goal was to tell the story of Birmingham. And so I think we did that very well in our opening ceremony, just going through Birmingham's history. We started it as if it was a timeline. And then how do you take those major events? And again, our goal was to make it beautiful. Like at the end of the day, we just wanted you to walk away being proud of your city. And then the closing ceremony was a celebration. How do we celebrate the 11 to 12 days of activity that happened in Birmingham? And I was doing a panel yesterday and I said, we had literally over 3,000 athletes, from 100 nations, $165 million in economic impact. That was so amazing. And going into the ceremony, nobody knew what those numbers would 100% be, but we knew we were gonna be successful. And so that says we were successful, and the closing was all about that celebration. And we also produced the World Games Plaza, which was the 11 day fan zone. And we had three live concerts that were a part of that. And each one of those shows, the first show, uh, I think we had close to 3,000 people show. Second show was Lupe Fiasco. We had about 5,000. And then Big Boy was our final show, which I think came close to seven or 8,000 people. So just throughout, it was just an amazing experience. And to, you know, have that opportunity, it's it's been, I don't know, I just keep saying the word amazing. That's <laughs> That's what comes to mind.
0: For those of us that live in Birmingham, to have someone tell tell the story of Birmingham and bring that honest perspective, Mm -hmm. a company out of New York or San Francisco or Los Angeles isn't going to be able to do that in the same way. But when I think about the importance of telling that story Mm -hmm. to the visitors and the athletes that we hear from all over the world is incredible and and necessary um and then just to have the whole wonderful event culminate in that amazing celebration was was great I, yeah I got to watch it and and was just marveled at all of it and am proud that your company got to got the opportunity to produce that because I do think that it is important that you know Birmingham worked hard to get the event and then to have a Birmingham Company, yeah, do that. You know, locals got to support local. Absolutely. Always. And
1: I'll, I'll add this. We, I mean, we made a bit of history uh, by being the first like black female owned company to produce a ceremony like that for the World Games. For it to be in Birmingham, I mean, it's just so fitting understanding our history. And, you know, again, for us, it was just like we got an opportunity so we're gonna bring other black owned businesses to the table to have an opportunity as well. So it just, it became full circle moments throughout pre-planning, once we hit the week of the games and even when it was all over with the success of it and what people saw, there were over, I think 3 million people worldwide who saw it on TV. you know, And it was just like, to know that our work went that far it just, they, some days there are no words to describe it. I, I bet. And so for anybody
0: else out there looking for major event planning. Yeah. Hey, we're here. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> They've got the expertise. So speaking of um, event planning, you know, another big feather in, in your cap is the incredible job that you all do on, Uh, high profile events such as the Magic City Classic. And I would love to get your perspective on how you and your company kind of helped shake up this storied and traditional
1: event to appeal to all audiences. Absolutely. So Magic City Classic, like, you know, you can smell it in the air like that week Mm -hmm. of it just you walk out and you like I smell Magic City Classic. (laughs) And it is on at that point. It is also, you know, a week of activities. Like I tell people, you need to get here on Sunday and you leave on the next Monday because you literally need Sunday the entire day to recover. So those are the rules of engagement. So that's number one. But we are (laughs) we are um, I want to shout out first uh, the two schools, Alabama State, Alabama A&M, because without them, there is no Magic City Classic. Um, And those are two of the best HBCUs in our state. And so we enjoy working with them. Um, Bruno Event Team and the Alabama Sports Foundation, they produce the uh, official game day activities. And so we partner with them and we're always excited when they, you know, start to promote Magic City Classic. And so we've been able to provide these ancillary events, right, um, that do a few things that we set out to do. One, it is like the largest event in Alabama, right, the largest HBCU Classic. And so using Birmingham to say, come here and we can show you a number of things. We know how to host large scale, complex events. If you wanna do work here, if you wanna bring your business here, It's like Magic City Classic is that recipe where we blend all of these things together and then it comes out literally magical. So we've been able to produce from the Mayor's Green Carpet Affair where we get over 3,000 people straight from the Birmingham community to come out and support. We do a day party that supports entrepreneurs um, and we celebrate black excellence. And then what we do on Friday night, I think it's just an opportunity for our corporations to come together and support those schools and really say thank you. Thank you for being in our state. Thank you for the pipeline of students that you're producing, you know. And after that, I always say it's a party with a purpose, Um, (laughs) but it becomes just this biggest party with a purpose that we've ever seen. And so to be one of, I think, the creators, I have to always give props to one of my mentors, John Hudson, who really said, okay, we need something that is parallel to the game, but also gives our leaders an opportunity to say what Birmingham really is, what our future is, and then using Magic City Classic as really that platform to do that. And then I've just been able to creatively keep that going. Um, so it was a great vision to start with. And we are probably 12 or 13 years now in the game with those events that we produce and really starting to see how it's just elevating Magic City Classic just all over. And such a huge
0: economic impact for the city of Birmingham. Uh, I mean, for two, like you said, story HBCUs that are not located in Birmingham. Right. So... It's one of those rich traditions that, as a city, we want to keep and to continue to celebrate and and have Mm
1: -hmm. the
0: alums come back and want to celebrate no matter where they're living and celebrate Birmingham as well.
1: And you have people who they'll tell you, like, from the day they started coming to Magic City Classic, they have never missed a Magic City Classic with the exception of COVID when it didn't happen so I mean what we're in the 80 do we know the year 87th maybe I could be a little off but I mean so that means you have people who have been coming here for 80 plus years for this game yeah that's that's amazing it's incredible it really is well
0: so March starts Women's History Month yes. and as an African-American woman and business owner I would love for you to share with us the importance of women and specifically African-American women in business and pushing that entrepreneurial spirit.
1: Yeah. So one thing I reflect on, I saw an article and I believe it was in Forbes that black women, we are the largest growing entrepreneurial group in the country right now. And that's amazing. That is amazing. Um, When I think about the importance of black women, black women on business and entrepreneurship, you know, it takes me way back. Right? One thing to note is we have always been the backbone of something, right? We're the backbone of the family. We're the backbone of institutions. We're the backbone of movements. And so to know that we are now making up this group of entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs, I think that says a lot. I also think that it's important that we are in this space just because we need to inspire the next generation of young black women that are coming behind us. And that's whether you go into a corporate job. If you go into the military, if you decide to start your own business, whatever the case may be, to be able to look and say there is this population of black women who are doing these successful things. And I have some shoulders that I can truly stand on. I think that's amazing. So I think it's just important, too, that we provide a blueprint. When I think about me coming into entrepreneurship, I had my grandfather and my mother and even my uncle And so for me, it's like I want to set the blueprint out for anybody who wants to come behind me and say, this is what I want to do. You know, I want to see another young black company produce a World Games or an Olympics or a Super Bowl, which is on our bucket list. So, you know, the NFL can call us at any time. We are ready. (laughs) They can handle it. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's important that we're in this space to also set that blueprint so for, you know, others that come behind us, it's, we're not starting over. It is I have something that I can learn from somebody who can help or teach me and just somebody who can inspire me to be the best that I can be. So that is
0: a great segue into my next question, which is if you would share with us, it tell us about some women in your life that have been inspirational to you in your journey.
1: Yeah. So I always have my top three no matter who asked this question? And this is not necessarily in any particular order, but Michelle Obama is like ultimate. Right. Like there is she is so graceful. Um, I don't care what comes her way. We all have seen these moments where we said now if that was me. Right. <laughs> I have a lot of those. If that was me, I don't know how high or low I would have gone. I'm not sure yet. But she's just so graceful. And she really has been, you know, that picture of especially for black women, young black women, black girls. If you really want to achieve anything in life, you can do it. I mean, she's shown us that in my industry. There are two women specifically here in Birmingham. When we talk about standing on the shoulders of giants, uh, Gaynell Jackson, who produces the A.G. Gaston Conference and a whole bunch of other stuff that I have been a witness of. Um, I love the way Gaynell works. She has been a mentor for me, and it's like, you know, if you really going to strive for excellence, like she's somebody who I look up to. Kathy Comby, who is a event designer, she's another one who, again, she's been in this industry 40-plus years, and so anytime I get stuck, I'm like, okay, she's who I'm calling to really try to understand how we maneuver. Um, and then my mom, my mom, you know, the first black woman I ever met in my life. <laughs> um, she just through her hard work starting her business, I was able to watch her start. I watched her grow. I watched her when she exited her business um, with such grace. She had me and my brother by the time she was 19. And so her taking this initiative to say, I want something better for me and my kids. And that started with her moving to Pensacola and working with my grandfather on his newspaper. And she told me one day, she said, you know, your grandfather was paying me like $25 a week. And see, that was another one of those, like, if it were me moments, I'm not sure what I would do. But that really said that she was in it to win it and that she was really trying to have a better future for us. She was there to learn. And then she took what she learned and started her own business. Her newspaper got me through college, right? Her newspaper got me through life. And so without her, there would be no me. I wouldn't be here today. So those are my three or four. Yeah, my four. I think it's okay. Okay, okay four. thank you. It's <laughs> a good
0: four. When you look towards the future, what do you see
1: as opportunities for women in the next five to 10 years? In the next five to 10 years, opportunity for women um, one, equal pay. I really want to make sure that, you know, we are vocal, we stand up for ourselves. And I think that that's just one of those areas where we're going to continue to fight. Um, and I even think about what I do in my industry. And I think about majority companies or I think about male led companies. Um, and I'm always fighting to be right there in that space. And I want, you know, if my, I want my work to reflect what we do, but I want my my pay to reflect that as well. Um, I think across the board um, for us is getting equal access to capital. Um, I think about how our businesses need to really scale and grow and what do we need in order to do that. There are a lot of times where we get opportunities, but then we're not capable or we don't have the capacity. Right. We have the know how, but we just don't have that structure. And so I do believe that if we can start understanding that level, it starts to help us continue to grow. Um, and then overall, I think it's just going to be important over the next five to 10 years that we have agency over ourselves, over our bodies, over our right to choose, and to really be able to make the decisions that we want for our lives. You have given us a lot to ponder and
0: and so much to be inspired by. And I just thank you for Taking the time to to speak with us and really share your story and your journey and, and and I hope that those listening will will really take it to heart and know the importance of women women in business and what women can accomplish. Um, so I would like to thank you on behalf of Avedian for sharing uh, your story with us and joining us today. And if any listeners out there would like more information about. LRY Media. Please visit lrymediagroup.com and you can also find them on social media. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you
1: for having me. This has been awesome.
0: Uh, For us as well. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.